0: stories of the human spirit, candid conversations about action, passion, and love. The law of action is about living in balance, moving forward with momentum in inspired action, overcome challenges, create success, amplify your life, and achieve things you never thought possible. It's all waiting for you. If you're ready to break through your fears and live your life in massive action, this is the show for you. He's a best-selling author, speaker, advisor, your host, Mr. Action himself, Rob Actis.
1: Welcome to the show, Action Takers. So glad to have you here today. Living the Law of Action is based on my book, The Law of Action, and I love to connect with the movers and shakers of the world who are passionate about the good they do for others and who listen to their hearts taking inspired action every single day. If it's your first time joining us or you've been with us for a while, I want to personally thank you for listening in and being here. On this show, my guests are incredible people who are forces for good in the world around them and live a life of inspired action. My guest today, she does just that. In this episode, Malayne Mullings and I discuss the importance of practicing active patience in challenging times. If you want to learn how to practice active patience and gain a spiritual anchor to help you along in your life's journey, this is the show for you. Melaine Mullings is a successful entrepreneur, cancer survivor, author, and business management consultant. Her cancer journey provided her with a deep understanding of the foundations of success, which she has applied to her first Entrepreneurial venture in the healthcare recruiting space. Thirteen years after operating her recruitment firm, Melane successfully sold it and is now sharing her unconventional strategies to success in her book, Lemonade. Squeeze your challenging life experiences into a successful business. Millane, welcome to the Living Live Action Show. Thank you
0: so much for having me and so excited to be here, Rob.
1: Well, you are definitely an action taker. And before we press record, we were talking about this, that you had a, a near-death experience when you were 17 years old. And, and I have found that people that have had near-death experiences, they tend to live their life a little bit different. We tend to not take things for granted. So what happened?
0: So when I was 17, I was diagnosed with leukemia. And it was um, just prior to a time where I was getting ready to go off to college. And start life and and move forward. And so that experience absolutely changed the trajectory of my life. Um, there came a point during my hospitalization where the doctors came to my parents and said, you know what, it's it's time to prepare. It, it's, it's not looking good. Um, time to prepare for the end. And so um, my parents gathered some leaders from our church. Uh, they prayed over me. I felt myself falling into death. Um, I had the whole, you know, black hole experience. I felt like I was falling. And I said, God, you know, I had a great life. um, But the only thing I wish that I would have experienced in life, I feel like I'm ready to go. But I wish I would have experienced um, love and the fullness of love and just that entire experience of of giving yourself fully to another. But you know what? I'm ready to go. And at that moment, Rob, I woke up. It was the next day, and I felt myself. I saw, I actually saw myself looking down at my mom and I in my hospital bed. And it took a few minutes, or what seemed like maybe half an hour, for me to come into myself. And then at that point, everything changed. My life completely changed. When I was in the hospital at that moment, um, this was, oh, 20 plus years ago, 25 years ago. Um, the nurses mentioned when I was um, discharged that no other patient had experienced that fast of a recovery with my t- particular type of leukemia. I'm sure at this point that has changed, but it was powerful um, and overwhelming as well. I suffered with um, survivor guilt. You know, why was I saved? What is it about me? Um learning to understand what my purpose was, et cetera. So it was an overwhelming experience, but an absolute blessing because it changed the way that I live my life. It changes it changed my perspective on life. Um, and as I mentioned to you before the show, that every major decision I've made since um that my leukemia experience was grounded in that in that time.
1: Wow, well, I'm so happy that you're here today. That's a pretty remarkable story and it's it's really fascinating how people that have near death experiences and I'm someone who has is mm-hmm. how you look through the rest of your life through totally different eyeglasses, just a right. you know, different different filter and you know, that's one of the things I love about podcasts and, and books and and anything that relates to people that have had near-death experiences is that you don't have to go through a near-death experience. You can live through our eyes and through our yeah. experiences. And mm-hmm. it's I would never wish a near-death experience on anybody. It's not yeah. a pleasant thing in any way, shape, or form. And that's the wonder of people that are committed to share their story is that it can be so inspirational.
0: Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Absolutely. I tend to be one Rob that learns from experience. I wish I was one that just, you know, could hear something and apply it and move. <laughs> yes, yeah. I tend to, unfortunately have to learn things the hard way or learn through experience. Um, but yes, I definitely would not wish um, this on anyone at the same time. However, I'm so thankful that I lived through it because, as I mentioned, um, that near-death experience has changed, you know, my perspective on life and how I live mine and how I act.
1: Absolutely. So what was your life like before? How were you living your life before? You're 17 years old, so you're 17. And then how dramatic of a shift was it from before Mm -hmm. and after?
0: So before, I was happy, you know, happy-go-lucky, had fun. I'm the youngest of four uh, sisters, um, was coddled. Maybe talking to some, they may say a little spoiled. I tend to differ. (laughs) But I was um, just carefree, loved life, had a lot of friends, um, raised Christian. Um, Yeah, just moved forward with a, you know wide-eyed and just ready to take on the world um no real solid foundation to me for um you know what it would take to start a business absolutely um but just at the end of the day just carefree and so after that experience i suffered with as i said um survivor guilt i didn't understand why that i was saved or um What I was put here to do, it's not a question that I I even thought about purpose prior, Um, but definitely having lived through that, um, it was something that I pondered regularly. Um, I also suffered with self-esteem issues and self-worth issues. When I was a patient um, in the hospital, it was during a time that there was a massive nursing shortage in um, the area where I was. And so the care that I received, the emotional care that I received from medical staff was incredibly substandard. Um, They came and and hung the chemo and did what they needed to do, change my central line dressings, you know, did the bone marrow aspirations, came and left. And at 17, I thought, wow, my nurses don't even care to sit and talk to me. You know, I just felt the sense of just entire, um, just felt alone. And there was no Leukemia and Lymphoma Society at the time uh, functioning, a chapter in my city. So it was an incredibly lonely, um, emotionally um, uh, debilitating experience. And it was many years later until I really um, could pull myself together and say, you know what? I do have worth and I am here for a reason. And I was saved to do something in this world and to make an impact. And so I need to own my experience and really own the situation that I'm living and create impact. And so that, um, you know, from that age, I, I kind of developed this sense of living where I look at um, death differently than I think. Mm-hmm. And, and those of us that have survived uh, new right. experiences do. But I like to look at it now as I'm living my life writing my obituary. Oh, I do like I that! Want no,
1: I like that. That's great. <laughs> I, no, that's really great. I, I never, I never thought of it that way. I definitely have changed the way that I live. Mm-hmm. Uh, it took a couple of times for me to have those near-death neurode- experiences, for me to finally get it. But mm-hmm. dramatically, I never thought about writing your obituary. But I wanted to just leave the best way that I possibly could, and to mm-hmm. live the most impactful life. So that's an interesting way of putting it. To To live your life like you're writing your obituary. That's pretty powerful. Mm
0: -hmm. Yes. And I think it it's, it allows you to create the life and the impact that you want. You know, I want to, my sphere of influence to be different because I was here. Absolutely. So to me, impact is the most important thing in life um, is to leave your footprint and leave your sphere of influence better because you lived because you were here.
1: Yeah, it's almost like, you know, you talked about survivor guilt. I don't really have the guilt, but I do have the, I believe that there's a reason I'm here. Mm -hmm. And I've been told that I shouldn't be alive. And with that, I'm going to do something to make an impact. Mm -hmm. Yes. You can't just twiddle your life away. You can't just exist. You have to live your life like you want to be alive.
0: And the unfortunate thing, Rob, is that people do. I, mean, I, I I think of that quote by Ralph Waldo Emerson. He said, the mass amount of men live lives of quiet desperation. So many people are just, you know, getting up and, you know, you work, you do what you do and you live and then you die. Right. And so, yeah. um, you know, I think that there's a, a healthy amount of fear out there of not understanding what living your purpose looks like and how to live it and how to really, and and to even understand what is my purpose, right? right? And so I think with that fear just comes the stagnation. Okay, well, I don't know. So let me just continue with the status quo. I'm not sure what my purpose is. It sounds too, you know, overwhelming. So let me just stick with what works. But I have realized, and I talk about this in my book, that the process of unearthing your purpose is actually a lot more simple than people think. Um, but at the end of the day, I think the fear is so paralyzing. And then what will it mean if I know it? Am right. I going to, need to change you know, my life? Am I going to have to you know, quit my job? So um, I think the more, more of us that talk about the power of purpose, that that's the place of peace, that's yeah. the place of hope, healing, promise, you know, blessings, et cetera, and impact. The more of us really hold up that gauntlet and say purpose is reason for being. And when you have purpose, that's where you have peace and impact when you're living it.
1: Absolutely. Well, you know, we are living in some pretty challenging times. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how do you achieve Patience during these challenging times. People are like, I want this to be over. Well, mm-hmm. it's going to be over when it's over. <laughs> right. That's that's it. It's just going to be over when it's going to be over. I believe yeah. it's going to end. I don't know when, but I think right. we're going to get through this. I, I think that eventually things are just going to do what they're going to do. Right. You know, is it good luck, bad luck?
0: We'll see. That that's mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Right. So when when I. Speak about practicing active patience in the book. I I really help folk, and I and I talk about it from the business perspective in terms of um, achieving your goals. And so the first, I guess, preamble to be able to practice active patience is to decide and and just really determine what are you being what are you patient about, (laughs) right? Right. What are you? um, There has to be a, a greater meaning behind. Okay, what what you're exercising patience for? Okay, so um, I tend to look at it as, for me, everything comes back to purpose. What is your purpose for being? Right, really getting clear on that, understanding what your purpose is, moving in the direction of that, and when you have an understanding of your purpose, it becomes somewhat easier to be patient because you know that there's a greater meaning behind you know all of this right and so really diving into what that meaning is and then when you are waiting for what you are hoping for to come to fruition which as i mentioned i tend to look at it as a goal that is rooted in your purpose then one of the ways is to build yourself up emotionally spiritually etc um when and When you're patient, patience in my vocabulary is active. It's not passive. So when you are exercising patience, there's things that you can be doing in that time. So one of them, as I mentioned, building yourself up spiritually, gaining a deeper understanding of what is the purpose of all of this, right? How can I ready myself for the time that my goal will come into fruition, so, practicing that active patience by spiritually building yourself up. Also, taking a look at what you're currently, what is your current strategy? Right? What are you doing right now that's going to bring you to that place of where you want to go? Right. There's sometimes where we have challenges telling ourselves the truth about what's happening in our lives. Right. Yeah. Um, I want you know, my situation to be X, but I'm sitting here paralyzed with fear and I'm not acting. I'm not moving forward. I'm not doing something to get me to the place where I want to be. So it becomes very difficult to be patient if you're not actually acting, practicing active patience. Right. Right. And so really gaining a, a current understanding of where you are how you know? How am I feeling emotionally, physically? Um, is my health? You know, do I have health challenges, etc.? Is my mind? Where is my mind taking me? Right? Am I a person that is not rooted in belief? Am I a person that um, is constantly negative? Am I an individual that? Am I sabotaging myself? And then the practice, active patience aspect of that is taking the steps. Okay. So we decide within our mind. And I love that you mentioned this this as a law of action, decide, plan, act. I have to decide within my own mind. Yes. Okay. What, where am I? What do I want for myself? I have to create that plan and then the active part of that staying patient. Okay. I'm going to act, but I'm also going to recognize it's going to take time. So I have to continue to take these actions step-by-step. Um, Jim Collins wrote a book, um, Good to Great, which I is one of my favorite business management books of all time, and he talks about the flywheel, turning of the flywheel day after day. This heavy um, instrument that just you have to just take incremental steps every day, every day, every day. So you're 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 patient, okay. I know that at right. some point this is going to come through, but I have to practice patience by turning my flywheel, turn by turn, day by day. In my experience, it took three and a half years um, after I started my first entrepreneurial venture to make my first dollar for my business. Wow. Three and a half years of taking wow. step by step, waking up, crying, God, this is not working debt by debt and, debt, and p- building up upon debt and debt. And so um, during that time of those three and a half years before I made my first dollar, there were steps that I had to take to be patient. One was building myself up, as I said, spiritually, emotionally, intellectually. There's I had to read books. I had to take classes. I had to, I started my business with minimal experience, no business experience, actually, uh, minimal capital and no business education training. I just had an understanding of my purpose. I, uh, really allowed myself to surrender that understanding to God and trust that he would carry me through. And my first entrepreneurial uh, venture was born out of my experience as a patient with leukemia. Wow. Because of that challenge that I experienced when I was a patient with a substandard emotional care, I decided I do not want any other patient to go what I go through what I went through. And so I became an RN. Well, after I became an RN, I realized that the care that you can provide when you have four patients is very different from the care that you can provide when you have 11. Correct. <laughs> so, yeah. It wasn't that I had terrible nurses, but it was the system that created that um, challenge. And so I surrendered that. And through you know several different steps, I finally decided, as we talk about law of action, I decided, OK, I understand that my purpose is to create an impact. In the healthcare system. So, I'm going to take my leukemia, my book, I call it a lemon experience, um, this challenging, traumatic life experience that drew me to a deeper understanding of my purpose. And I'm going to launch out and start this business. And so, through that period of time, I had to, as I said, practice that active patient by readying myself for the success. So, I had to know what my end goal was what am I striving for? And that allowed me um, to be patient while I was preparing and taking the steps to act before the the business experienced a breakthrough.
1: Wow. Well, you said it was easy to to somehow find your purpose. So what are some (laughs) steps someone can do that you said is very simple to find your purpose? What is something that someone can do to find their purpose?
0: So, um, I talk about, uh, in my book, the two-step process to unearthing your purpose. Um, One, first step of it is really gaining an understanding of what is the purpose, right? Why are we here in the larger scheme of things? Um, So, it starts with that. And I'm Christian, and so I find my root um, in biblical principles that talks about, um, there's a First in the Bible, Ephesians 2.10, that says, we are created for good works that God prepared beforehand that you should walk in them. So in that, I realized my purpose is to offer a good work. There's some work of service that I'm here to deliver. There's a work of service that we are all here to operate from. So what is my personal work of service? Um, And so that's the first step, realizing I am here to serve in some capacity or another. The second aspect is recognizing, okay, um, what I call my purpose equation. First aspect of that purpose equation is understanding what your predominant passion is. So, and at the end of the day, that passion is usually generated by our most challenging life experiences. In my case, my most predominant passion was that I didn't want any other patient to go through what I went through in the hospital. Right. right. So what is what are our predominant passions? What are And we can spy on ourselves and get an understanding. What are the things that we read about? What are we consumed by? What do we care about addressing? What drives us? So pairing that predominant passion with an understanding of our skills. What are we good at? What are our talents? you know, is an individual. Are they talented with cutting hair? Right. Okay. Um, Are they a great artist? Are they a poet? I mean, I think of Amanda Gorman, right? A poet. One poem that she delivered during President um, Biden's inauguration was so powerful. um, And the change and, and just the impact of that one poem. Her next book Became a bestseller before it was even released (laughs) from that one poem. The power of her skill, right? And diving deep into her story and her life experiences. So pairing an understanding of your predominant passion with your skill. That is your purpose. Predominant passion plus skill.
1: And I think it's important, you know, when you have your purpose, you really know what it is. And (laughs) it's to the point. What well, you do, whatever it is, your skill, your purpose, your life's mission, you do it for free. Like yeah. it's just a joy. Right. Podcasting for me. Love mm-hmm. it. Love yeah. it. Love it. Love it. Um, being a voice actor. Love it. Love it. Love it. Speaking. Love it. Love it. Love it. That's, those are things. Starting businesses. Love it. Love it. Love it. It's, mm-hmm. it's not about, it's not about the monetary gain. It's about I have passion and purpose and this is what I do. And I think that's one of the things that people can dial into is what would you do for free?
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And the unfortunate thing when when we think about this is the fear. And, and that was the same for me. Um, how am I going to make money at this? Okay, I love it, but how am I going, you know? So then we get caught up in, okay, well, if I can't think of how I'm going to make a living out, out of this, well, forget it. Let me just stay with the status quo. Right.
1: You can Absolutely. make money out of anything. Anything. It is anything. I mean, I I have seen, you know, go to SC and look at all the ways that people are making money mm-hmm. and what they're yeah. creating. You yes. never in a million years. see That's the thing is that people tend to sometimes limit their beliefs and they come from scarcity and not abundance. Right. We have a giant world here. Yes. And there's so many people that want what you have. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I was watching a show the other night, and uh, it was metal workers, and I couldn't believe the amazing pieces of art they were creating. It was mm-hmm. unbelievable, and I'm like, I want to buy that. I just wanted it because their their passion and their purpose was in there. Mm-hmm. And there's so many people, and when you're in your lane, you're in your zone. Yes, it's just so simple, and you know, to talk about living every day like you want to be alive. If you're In the grind and you're hating every day, it's time to find your purpose.
0: Absolutely. And passion translates, right? I think a a company, a bakery in my hometown, um, they started out just making cupcakes. But those cupcakes were the most amazing (laughs) cupcakes. You could just taste the love and the passion that they had for that. And they are wildly successful now. So people are drawn to authenticity. Absolutely. drawn to passion. And when you operate from the position of your passion and your purpose, you magnetically draw others to you, yeah. you magnetically draw, you know, in my case, it was consumers. It was investors. It was, it, you, as you said, there's a place for us. There's a, there is a place. This world is big enough to accommodate our passion Absolutely. And our purpose. Absolutely. And we don't need to fear fear scarcity. We don't need to fear, um, how am I going to do We just need to surrender to that understanding and recognize that there's no better place to operate from than the place of our purpose. Because as I meant, that's a place of peace. And isn't that what we're all striving for?
1: Right. And in addition to that, you know, yeah, it's great to have money and mm-hmm. peace it's worth so much. Yes. And I, I know a lot of people that, that grind and they do the nine to five and they hate it every single solitary day. Mm-hmm. And I just think, wow, I can't imagine that is your life. And they mm-hmm. do it because they want money. Mm-hmm. Yet they have lots of money and they're not happy mm-hmm. at all. And they keep making more money and buying more stuff mm-hmm. and they're still not happy. And right. it, it just it saddens me so to see that there there to be happy and to have peace is so worth it yes. when you're in your lane and you're doing what you're supposed to do. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I've had other businesses and and they failed. And it's funny, I'm like, that's not what I'm supposed to be doing. Right? <laughs> Podcasting, voice acting. Um, you know, narrating audiobooks, um, creative—that's my lane, and right. it's so effortless. Right, it's such a joy.
0: And I firmly believe um, that when you are moving in the direction of your purpose, the money will come. Success—I mean, we all define success differently, right. but I have, you know, witnessed in more than one arena that when you are operating in your purpose, the money will come. The money will come now at the end of the day, you know, depending upon the lane of your purpose. I mean, if, if my, if the lane of my purpose is, you know, helping and uh, the Syrian civil war and et cetera, et cetera, or, you know, some sort of activist movement. Well, okay. The the, the definition of our purpose will determine what that success looks like. Right. Right. So I'm, right. I'm a multi multi millionaire doing that. But the point is, Um, I firmly believe, and as as you've mentioned, that our purpose is larger than stuff. It's larger than, you know, things. Because you can have those things and feel completely empty. And then what's the point? Yep.
1: I have a lot of friends that are like that. It's Mm -hmm. it's quite fascinating. They have so much, Mm -hmm. so many riches, and they're not happy.
0: And the sad part is unfortunately um unless we come to that well i I won't say that for everyone but for a lot of folk they won't understand that until they have that stuff and then it's not fulfilling right most people are just striving towards stuff and getting here and if i have this then i'll be happy or if i achieve that or if i get this job i'll be happy um but the the sad thing is, is when you do get you that. be happy. You need to be
1: happy before you get to that stuff.
0: Yes. Absolutely. It's so important. It's to so important. To enjoy the stuff.
1: Right? Otherwise you won't. Exactly. Even enjoying the people around you because all they're doing is thinking of like, I've, I've so much overhead. I have so much spinning plates around me that I have to keep doing and doing and doing to keep this lifestyle up. Right. And it's not. Making them happy.
0: Right, right. Um, I've heard this adage that says a different level, a different devil. Right? Yeah. You, you get to another place and then you're just na- navigating another set of challenges. So this idea of self-actualization, okay, when I get there, then I'll be X. It's important for us to get to that place of there No, Right. Right. As I was mentioning, you know, what is the goal? Right? What is, why am I here? What's the, what's the purpose? and recognizing that there's something I'm here to do to serve. You're serving through this podcast. I mean, I'm I'm incredibly inspired by some of the past guests that you've had. And, you know, having that impact to encourage people to move forward and live that law of action. Yeah. And, you know, move forward, create your impact because there's a footprint that each one of us is you know, created to impress upon the world, whatever, whatever lane that is. We each have a lane. And if we would show up in that lane and live from that direction, there's nothing more important in life than having that impact. 100%. And I that out of an overflow of that, we can have the other stuff, but it shouldn't be the other way around. Stuff before the impact.
1: I 100%, 100% agree. Melaine. thank you so much for being here today. Just what a treat. I just love your energy. I was so thrilled to have you. What a great, had a crazy morning today. And I'm just like, so glad that I got to share some time with you. And now, if you'd like to reach out to Millane, you can do it at milane.mullins.com. And I want to thank you very much, you for taking the time out of your busy and precious day to listen to the Living the Law of Action show. We so appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me along my very special guest, Milane Mullings, to touch your heart, move you, inspire you. Remember, decide, plan, and act. I'm Rob Actus. Until next time, live a life of inspired action.
0: Thank you for listening to the Living the Law of Action show with Mr. Action, Rob Actus. Please rate, review, and subscribe.